0: All right, turn your Bibles, if you will. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 32. And as you're turning there, I just want to share some... Started last week with some thoughts to ponder. So here's some more thoughts to ponder. I went to the Air and Space Museum, but there was nothing there. Ants are healthy. Because they have little antibodies It's just some thoughts to ponder right If a cow Can't make milk Is it an utter failure Or a milk dud You decide that one Amen So this morning I want to talk about wrestling With God And Part of that, very important part of that, is considering prayer. Prayer is a vital and powerful tool in our spiritual toolbox. Amen? A Christian life without prayer is like a balloon without air. That's just how it goes. Amen? And with that being said, how many have prayed for something that that seemed right? It seemed biblical, right? Right? But God seemed to be saying no. Or maybe you've been praying faithfully for, you know, God to to work out a situation in your life, but it seems that God just isn't listening. Or you've been praying for God's healing hand, or for God to reveal his will for your life, or for God to open a, maybe it's a door of ministry that you've been looking for. And you've been praying faithfully for these things. And they're good things. You know, they're, they're godly things. But here's the problem. Most of the time when we pray, we end up telling God how we expect things to go, don't we? You know, it's something like, Lord, here's the problem, and, and here's how I want you to do it. Here's how I want you to handle it, right? Let me clarify something. There's, there's nothing wrong with asking God. Amen? We need to understand that. Matter of fact, Jesus said we have not because we what? We ask not. So he told us that we should keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. So the problem is not in our asking. We need to understand that God does hear and he does answer every single one of our prayers. Sometimes it's yes, Sometimes it's no, and I think the one that we have the hardest trouble with is sometimes it's wait. Amen? But God does answer every single prayer. It's one of those three. But it will be in His timetable, right? And it's going to be in His way. God will answer our prayers in His perfect timetable and in His perfect way. Now, many times when we slip back into those bad prayer habits, sometimes we falsely believe and we feel that God just isn't listening. And this is what causes us to wrestle with God in our prayer life. Amen? Maybe this describes you this morning. God has directed you in a particular path, but you've decided that you're going to stand your ground, you're going to dig your heels in for a different direction. Or God has called you to do something, but you've chosen to, to politely ignore his calling. Amen? Your will and God's will just have not been in line. And you've been wrestling with God. Now, a little word of wisdom. Any wrestling match between us and God will never end in a victory for us. Amen? That's just truth. But here's the good news. Even when we lose, we still win. You see, it's in that loss that we realize that God's will for us is far better than the plan that we had for ourselves. Amen? Even in our loss, we win. Let's pick up in Genesis chapter 32. Skip down to verse 22. And he, Jacob, arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. But he took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men, and have prevailed then jacob asked saying tell me your uh, tell me your name i pray and he said why is it that you ask about my name and he blessed him there so jacob called the name of the place peniel for i have seen god face to face and my life is preserved So before we jump into the meat of the message, I just want to make sure we are all very, very clear here of what we're reading. This was no mere man that Jacob wrestled with all night, nor was it an angel, as some falsely believe or speculate. We need to understand that this was Jesus Christ himself. This is what we call a Christophany. This is an appearance, an Old Testament appearance of Christ prior to Bethlehem. A pre-Bethlehem appearance of Jesus Christ is known as a Christophany. In fact, Jesus appeared several times in the Old Testament to a variety of different people prior to Bethlehem. Amen? And the majority of those occurrences, Jesus came as the angel of the Lord. Majority of the time, if not every time, when we read that phrase, "the angel of the Lord appeared" in the Old Testament, it was Jesus Himself. Good example of that is just a a couple chapters uh, back, Genesis chapter 22, starting in verse nine, maybe. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there, and he placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son, and he laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord, Jesus himself, called to him from heaven, and he said, Abraham, Abraham. So Abraham said, Here I am. And Jesus said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from who? From me. So we know that this was God himself. This was Christ speaking to Abraham. This was Christ appearing to Abraham well before Bethlehem. We also have more proof that Jacob actually wrestled with God right here in our passage. If you skip down to verse 30, you see that Jacob called the place Peniel. He said, for I have seen God face to face. That word Peniel is a uh, Hebrew word, and it means the face of God. The face of God. So now that we have things clear, we understand exactly what we're reading here. Let's dig into a couple things. And the first point I, I want everybody to see, is I want us to consider being alone with God. Verse 24. Then Jacob was, was left all alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. So I want you to pay close attention. It was when Jacob was all alone that he wrestled with God, that God came to him. We need to understand some things about Jacob. You see, Jacob's whole life, up to this point, had been one big game of deception. Jacob was always conniving. He was always scheming new plans on how he could deceive his next victim. He deceived and tricked his older twin brother Esau out of his birthright for a bowl of soup. He's pretty good. He deceived his father Isaac into giving him Esau's blessing as the firstborn. He even deceived his father-in-law Laban into taking more sheep than he should have. Scheme after scheme, trick after trick, this was Jacob and that was Jacob's life. But now God stripped all of that away and it was just Jacob left all alone. Now we go to the book of Hosea chapter 12 verse 4. We read, yes, he struggled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and he sought favor from him. In Hosea 12:4, we get a little more insight In the fact that Jacob had been Praying through tears When he was all alone When God came to him And picked a fight Well it wasn't really much of a fight was it I mean who could ever Fight against God Nobody can right But the Bible tells us That God wrestled with Jacob All night until the next morning So So Here's the question. Almighty God decides to come. Jacob was all alone. He was in prayer. Decides to come and meet Jacob face to face and wrestle with him. Again, this is Almighty God. So the question is, why would Almighty God just toy with Jacob all night long? Why would he do that? And the answer is to simply wear him down. Amen? Some of us can relate to that. Some of our skulls are a little thicker than others, right? It takes a little bit longer for God to get through to us. So God was simply wearing him down. He was letting Jacob exhaust himself and use up all his strength. He allowed Jacob to use up all the fight that he had left in him until there was nothing left. No more strength to resist any longer. Look at verse 26. And Jesus said to him, he said, let me go, for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So we've you probably read that verse many times but I really want you to understand what we are seeing here. Jacob goes from resisting God to now hanging on to his Lord, refusing to let go. And this is God's desire for all of our prayer life. He wants us to be persistent in our asking. He wants us to be, you know, he wants us to ask intently. With all of our heart, he wants us to cling to him, to refuse to let go, and to ask for his blessings. Amen? That is God's desire for each and every one of us. And we see that's what he was doing with Jacob. Jacob, this man who woke up every day trying to figure out who he's going to deceive next was now broken down to that point that all he had left was God himself, and he was hanging on with both hands. That's God's desire for us. And the Bible gives us many examples of this kind of prayer, this kind of persistent asking. You remember in the Old Testament, Abraham persistently prayed to intercede for Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember, he started out, you know, if there's a hundred righteous men, and it went down and down and down, and God would tell him, yeah, if there's a hundred righteous men, I, wouldn't, I won't destroy it, but there's not a hundred righteous men. So he kept praying, and the number got lower and lower. But he was persistent in that prayer. Moses, he prayed and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights for the children of Israel, for his nation. Elijah. The Bible tells us he prayed on his hands and knees seven times for God to send rain during an, uh, an incredible drought. And then the book of Psalms, that's a book just full of David's prayers. And one of his prayers, Psalm 39, 12, he said, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Do not be silent at my tears. David was just persistent and persistent in his prayer life. And we need to be persistent in our prayers today more than ever before. Amen. Prayers for our lost loved ones. Prayers for revival in our nation. Prayer for those who are hurting. We just need to keep praying and praying and praying and holding on like Jacob held on all night long. Amen. That's what God is trying to do in our life. So the second thing I want us to see and I want us to consider, not only being alone with God, but also being honest with God. Let's look back at verse 27 in our original text. Being honest with God. So there's something that we need to make sure we don't miss here in this uh, passage. So... Verse 27, Jesus said to Jacob, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Now, why did God ask that question? Did God not know Jacob? Of course he did. Amen? God knows all things. He knows all of us. So why did God ask him his name? We need to understand What Jacob means You see his very name was an admission Of who he's been He wanted Jacob to be honest About how he was living You see the name Jacob Can be translated as trickster So he was asking Jacob He said Jacob I want you to be honest with me What is your name How have you been living In a sense, God was asking Jacob, are you going to keep living up to your name as a deceiver? Or are you going to be honest and let me change your life? You see, that's how important that question was and that verse is in our text. Now, the answer seems pretty obvious to us, right? We'd absolutely, if God was, we were face-to-face with God, and he said, look, I'm going to give you a choice. Keep living in your sins, or let me change your life. What would we answer? Change my life, right? But so many people today, they don't want God to change them. They're happy, and they're content with their current lifestyle. I hate to put it this way, but it's kind of like a dog. I'm not calling anybody a dog. I'm just using it as analogies, analogy. kind of like a dog, right? We have a dog. We wash them up. We clean them up. We we shampoo their fur. And then, you know, we get them looking and smelling nice. And five minutes later, where do we find them? Rolling around in the mud again, right? Rolling around in that mud and that dirt. Why? Because that's just where they want to be. Amen? We need to understand it. That's just where they want to be. And many people today are the same way. They don't want to change how they live. They prefer to stay in their sin and face the eternal consequences of standing before Almighty God on Judgment Day. Instead of Jesus cleaning them up, they'd rather go outside and roll around in the mud. So the Lord asked Jacob here, he said, What is your name? Do you want me to change you or do you want to stay in your sins? Now, I also want you to notice something here. Notice that Jesus asks. He didn't force himself, did he? He didn't tell Jacob, This is what I'm going to do. He asks. God does not like to force his way into our lives. God wants to be part of our lives if we want him to be part of our lives. Amen? Same way. Why? Because of true love. (coughs) Excuse me. God loves us unconditionally. That means there's nothing that we can do to make him love us less. There's nothing that we can do to make him love us more. He loves us unconditionally. And his heart's desire is for us to do what? To love him back. And it's the same with us. When we fall in love, we want that other person to what? Just love us back. Because they want to. Not because they're forced to or any other reason, but because they want to. And God has that same desire for our relationship with him. He wants to be in our lives if we want to have him, if we invite him. Look at Matthew chapter 11, skipping down to verse 28. <clears throat> Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So we have to understand what a yoke is in order to understand what Jesus was saying. A yoke was used in olden days, and maybe they're still out there today. It was basically a steering device for cattle, for ox, when they were, you know, when a farmer was plowing his field to keep a a straight row. They would put a yoke over their, their ox or over their over their cattle to make sure that row stayed straight. Jesus was saying, Look, when he's talking about take my yoke upon you, he's saying, Let me steer your life. Turn that steering wheel of your life over to me. Let me be your pilot. Amen. That's what he's saying by take my yoke upon you. And this is not easy for many of us to do, is it? I think many of you are probably like me. I am a a terrible passenger. Amen? Terrible passenger. I'd much rather be the driver. I'd much rather be the one in control of that car. And Jesus said, Jacob... Are you ready to let me steer? Are you ready to let me direct your life? And Jacob finally breaks down and admits who he is. He said, I am Jacob. I am that deceiver. I'm that trickster. And he's now ready to concede his will over to God's will. Let's go back to our original text in Genesis 32. Let's skip down to verse 27. So Jacob said, I'm Jacob. And Jesus said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Now, we need to understand the language here. Was Jesus admitting defeat? He said Jacob prevailed. What was he really talking about? What he was talking about in that loss, that he was still going to win. Because God chose to bless him on that spot. No longer was he the deceiver and the trickster. He was now Israel. Amen? God changes his name from Jacob the deceiver to Israel. Israel means chief or fighter. Very fitting as Jacob's 12 sons are the 12 patriarchs. They are the 12 tribes of Israel. In losing to God, he truly wins. Amen? He did prevail. And maybe you're here today and you've been wrestling with God in in some area of your life. Maybe it's been in your prayer life. Maybe it's been in your finances, your relationships, your career. It doesn't matter what area of life. Bottom line, you need to understand it's a fight that you're not going to win. Amen. That's the important part of this message. You may be strong. You may be strong-willed and you may be mighty, but we need to understand God is almighty and he has never lost and he never will. Amen. He will wear you down and eventually you will surrender. Many of you know my testimony. When, When God first called me to preach, I chose to ignore God. I ran from God for about a year, and that was the most miserable year of my life. God will wear you down, and you will concede eventually. Amen? It's better to do it sooner rather than later. Get your blessing sooner, believe me. Get your blessing sooner, because in that loss, we need to understand that we still gain. That's what Jesus meant when he said, if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. Amen? When we turn our life over to him, that's when we find our true purpose for life. That's what he's talking about. Turn your life over to Christ, let him take control, and you're going to soon find out how much better your life is has become in Christ. I want to close. I came across this transcript from the United States Navy, an actual transcript, and I thought, boy, this, this fits pretty well with our message today. This came from the aircraft carrier, the USS Lincoln, as it sailed along the Canadian coastline. And while it was traveling that coastline, it picked up a blip on its radar. And this is that transcript. This is the captain of the USS Lincoln from the United States Navy. You are on a collision course with our ship. Change your heading 30 degrees north, over. This is the Canadian Coast Guard. Change your heading 30 degrees south, over. This is the captain of the second-largest aircraft carrier in the United States fleet. We are accompanied by ten destroyers and a host of support equipment. I repeat, change your heading 30 degrees north, over. That was followed by a short period of silence. Sir, this is a lighthouse. Your call, over. But isn't that just how stubborn we can be with our own will? Amen. We think we're somebody. But Jesus Christ is that lighthouse and he is immovable. Amen. We don't want to budge for anything, not even God at times. But we need to take the yoke of Christ and we need to let him steer our life and find out how much better life can be with him in it.